If you um, go to a search engine on your computer, let's say Google, and you type in the word gratitude, you'll get 106 million hits. I did it, though um, I have to admit I fell about 105,999,960 clicks short of seeing all of the sites. So this is not a scientific survey, but uh, by any means. But here are a few. Some sites define the term gratitude, the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation or to return kindness. Other sites discuss the psychology, the sociology, or the spirituality of gratitude. For example, on the University of California website, gratitude is good medicine. Uh, seven scientifically proven benefits of gratitude on the Psychology Today website, or from the Forbes website, of all things, eight ways to have more gratitude every day. This is just a few examples. One of the things the exhausted web surfer can take away from all this information is that having gratitude, being thankful, means that the more we give thanks for what we have, the more we have to give thanks for. And that there should be so much information on the Internet encouraging us to have gratitude in a culture suggests that in a culture of toxic, if not relentless, consumerism, we have forgotten how much to be grateful for because we always want more. A child learns to be grateful by observing the adults around them, performing the little important rites of daily life that often begin with or end with thank you or I'm sorry. These are very simple phrases that are the basis of any real communal life because they are acts of recognition that we are not alone and self-sufficient, self-reliant, and self-contained. Already at the beginning of Genesis, we hear the divine judgment on this kind of self-idolatry. It is not good for the man to be alone. In this context, sin is a form of impersonalism, a failure to be attentive, responsible, compassionate, faithful, and grateful to others and for God, to God for the life around us. The opposite of gratitude, of course, is resentfulness. Resentfulness, as St. Benedict recognized, is a powerful agent in destroying community because it, too, needs to be shared. And if the vehicle for sharing gratitude is saying thank you, the vehicle for resentment is murmuring. As it happens, resentment and murmuring provide the background for this Sunday's reading from the Gospel of John. It's a good example of John's theology at work. The Jewish people, having come into the desert, are hungry and thirsty. Well, that's what deserts are for, anyway, to explore our hungers and our thirsts. They cry out for food and are given bread from heaven. But no sooner do they eat their fill than, in a complete lack of gratitude for what they have received, they begin to murmur against God for not getting more of what they want. I'm speaking about the gospel passage for this Sunday, but I could also be describing the events of Exodus 16, the famous story of the manna from heaven that we heard last week. 
John's Gospel follows Exodus here very closely because the evangelist is deliberately and insistently inviting the Christian community to imagine their journey of faith in a way similar to the one described in Exodus. The life of a Christian is a Passover from slavery into freedom, from Egypt to the promised land, from death into life. We all make this passage in one way or another. It's not just reserved for people who lived in Jesus' day 2,000 years ago. If Moses was the means through which Israel of old is saved, then Jesus is the means through which the new Israel, the church, finds salvation. And more, he himself is the true heavenly bread, the true Paschal Lamb, the true Messiah. All this is revealed in the multiplication of the loaves that we've been listening to now and will continue to listen for another two weeks. But like the Israelites of old, this sign, however wondrous, is not enough. And the people begin to murmur against Jesus, saying, as they did against Moses, in the words of Psalm 78, which we in the community sing at vigils on Wednesday morning, it describes simultaneously both those events. They tested God in their hearts by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can he provide a table in the wilderness? Can he give us bread or provide meat for his people? Now, behind these texts lies that most toxic of human inclinations. I've already used the word resentment the presence of which is but a symptom of those quintessential American qualities of self-fulfillment and self-reliance that tempt us to do everything out of our own resources. And the question is, why? And that the answer, I think, is because neither God nor others can be trusted to give us what we think we really need for ourselves. But in the end, self-reliance and self-fulfillment like all forms of idolatry, are merely an illusion. No human can do what God does, just as no human can fulfill what God alone fulfills. And this is precisely what Jesus is pointing out in today's passage of John 6. We cannot engineer our own salvation. Only he can give life because he himself is life. Human life is, from start to finish, a gift and we are responsible to the giver of that gift for what we make of it. And when all is said and done, the gospel is posing a very simple question. Not only who is God, but who are we? Who am I? Or that must surrender ourselves to God without condition, with qualification or reservation on every level of our being. G.K. Chesterton wrote that Thanks is the highest form of thought, and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. The liturgy of the Church is gratitude enacted ritually in public acknowledgement that we depend upon God alone for all that we have and and all that we are. That is why we call what we're doing here Eucharist, from the Greek eucharistos. It means grateful. We hear the word every Sunday, but being human, we forget that it means giving thanks for creation, for the good earth, for our salvation and sanctification that come to us through the crucified and risen Jesus Christ.